whole Bible is about Jesus. The entire Old Testament is pointing forward to the arrival of Jesus Christ to the earth. The Gospels announce the arrival. The epistles look back on the arrival and teach you what the arrival did for you and me. Now that's real simplification, but that's, that's really the way it is. The Old Testament was a bunch of signposts pointing down the tunnel of time to the day that the Lamb of God would die on the cross for your sins and mine. Did you catch that? The whole Old Testament preaches that the ultimate Lamb is coming and He will bleed and die on a cross for your sins and mine. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want Passover, but Passover is all about Jesus coming and dying on the cross. And so I'm going to show you today that God is a God of exquisite timing. His timing is perfect. Uh, and now we, I don't always like it. I don't always agree with his timing. I'm always in a hurry. He's not. And when he and I fight about it, he wins every time. Right? But today, I want to show you what the Passover is all about, or what the, uh, the um, Palm Sunday is all about. What is it all about? Where did it come from? What are the roots of Palm Sunday? Well, we're going to see it's the Passover. So let's look at Matthew 21, verse 1. Start there. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied. Everybody say to me, how do you know that? How do you know that? He didn't tell the guy to tie the donkey up. I'll be sending my boys to get it. He knew short-term prophecy. Short-term future. Try that sometime. He said, you're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. When Jesus looses you, it's so you can come to him. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately they'll turn loose of it and send them. Because he owns everything, even your donkey. That means today your car. All this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet saying. So here comes Zechariah 9, 9. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, Zechariah 9, 9 was fulfilled. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. We know they were palm branches, hence uh, Palm Sunday. Verse 9, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Read this with me, everybody. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Give the Lord praise today. (laughs) And when he had come into Jerusalem, I love this, all the city was moved. When Jesus comes into a city, the whole place is moved. Who is this, they were saying. So the multitude said, well, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, thank you for your word today. Help us to grasp the significance of this day 
And thank you, Lord, for the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, Hosanna to the highest, and you can be seated. God bless you. Amen, amen. Now, in our text, the, the crowds are gathering for the Passover, right? Passover feast. It says there was a very, very great multitude. How great was the multitude? Well, hundreds of thousands of people were swarming into Jerusalem for the great day. The Passover feast was a huge event. It was a big deal, okay? Historians tell us that 256,000 lambs were slain at one Passover. And each lamb represented at least 10 worshipers. So the Jewish historian Josephus estimates, this is hard to believe, but this is a solid estimation, that over 2 million people were involved in the Passover. Everybody say, that's a lot of folks. 2 million people were involved in the Passover. They gathered together for what had been happening for 1,500 years. Now, the Passover had become, over time, a a carnival-like event as far as the excitement, the movement, the crowds, all of that. Give me an example of something you can understand. Think State Fair on a Saturday. I'll never go on a Saturday. You, you couldn't pay me to go to the State Fair on a Saturday, especially the, the midway. Uh-uh. It's insanity. Or how about this, Six Flags on a school holiday? Or Times Square on New Year's Eve? All right, multiply that 10 times and you have the Passover. It was a very, very uh, huge, chaotic feast. And it was a big deal. It was a happening. So when we talk about Palm Sunday, we're talking about its roots are the Passover. The Passover. Now, you may not know what that means. So I'll tell you what it means. Most of you know, but it doesn't hurt to go over it. Here's the crowds were gathered to celebrate a momentous night in Jewish history. We know the night. It is when God delivered his people through the blood of a slain lamb. They were in Egypt. They were about to be delivered from Egypt. They had been in Egypt for 400 years. It started out good and it went bad. It started out positive and it went south. It started out they were honored, but ended up they were in slavery. So God heard their cry, and through Moses and mighty miracles delivered them. But it came down to one final sign and miracle and act of God, which was an act of judgment. They all were. Ten plagues, all of them were acts of judgment. I'm going to show you how it all began. While the Israelites, Exodus 12, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. So they were still in Egypt. He said, from now on, this month, Nisan will be the first month of the year for you. It'll be your numero uno month because of what I'm about to do. Verse 3, announced to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day, everybody say 10th day. So it's like October 20th, or we would say October 10th. Let's just try that. It was... Nisan the 10th, the 10th day of Nisan, the month of Nisan. He said on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, every family needs to choose a lamb 
or a young goat for a sacrifice. One animal per household. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Catch that. No defects, no flaws, a perfect specimen of a lamb or a goat. No defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day. Everybody say 14th. So you've got the 10th of Nisan and the 14th of Nisan. Hugely relevant and significant in Bible history. Those two dates. Nisan the 10th, Nisan the 14th. Take special care of the animal. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight on the 14th of Nisan. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses. You're going outside with some of the blood from this animal and you're putting it around the border of your door. Blood. It was a bloody mess. In the natural, it's like, ooh. But track with me. God said, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. So when these plagues of God were falling, it was in judgment of the idols they had been worshiping. But listen to what God said. I am the Lord, but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood... I'll pass over you. Notice, not when I see your good looks. Not when I see your nice car. Not when I see all the good things you've done. Not when I see your family pedigree. Not when I see your educational level. Not when I see your income level. Not when I see your great big mansion house. No, when I see the blood. When I see the blood. (laughs) Amen. When I see the blood, that's when I'm going to pass over. That's what is going to help you and be the way you are delivered from the coming judgment. Please catch this, church. Because God does nothing by mistake. This is all intentional. God is creating a picture for us here. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. When I see the blood, you won't be judged. When I see the blood, the world that I'm judging, you won't be included. You'll be delivered. You'll be exempted. When I see not just any blood, but the right blood, the blood I've called for, the blood I've ordered. When I see that blood, this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember each year from generation to generation. You must celebrate it as a special festival for the Lord. So right here, When they are about to be delivered from Egypt, God set in motion this festival to be honored in perpetuity, to be observed in perpetuity. Now, it just so happened that as God told Moses, he did. The death angel moved throughout Egypt that night on the 14th day of Nisan, 14th day of Nisan, killing the firstborn of man and beast. It was a terrible judgment. But folks, judgments are never cool. They're never good. 
And you can't read your Bible without encountering several major judgments of God. Can everybody say Noah? The whole earth was judged. And what we see here is God said, when I see the blood that I've ordered, I'll pass over you. In other words, I'm only giving you one way out. Y'all are so quiet today, you're making me nervous. No, I know you're thinking. You're really going to be thinking in a minute. He said, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you one way out. The, the blood that I've ordered is the way out I'm giving you. In the days of Noah, there was only one way to be saved, the ark. There were not 10 different options. Well, I believe I'll take that option out of the coming judgment. No, there was one. There was only one way out. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody comes to the father, but through me, only one way out. So pastor Jeff, that's too narrow. No, it's not. It's simple. So I don't have to make a bunch of choices. I have one way out. And the Bible predicts there's a judgment coming in the future for this planet, an ultimate judgment. It's, it's marching this way. I can almost hear the approaching hoofbeats. And so God is saying, there's going to be one way out. And when I see the blood, I pass over. And so the people of Israel who obeyed God, they heard all the crying, all the wailing, but not one thing touched them. Not one. Not one thing. God's people were passed over when the angels saw the blood. Hebrews eleven twenty eight says, By faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts. So the the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. Everybody say with me, there's one way out. That's the message of the Bible. There's one way out. He he patterns that, that idea all through the Old Testament and, of course, into the New Covenant, where there's only one way out of answering for your sin and my sins personally. And that way out is Christ and his shed blood. There's only one way out. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not hugging a tree, not good works, not being a good person. There's one way out. So the whole message of the Passover and Palm Sunday revolves around the blood of a slain lamb. That's that's Palm Sunday applied by faith in obedience to God, to protect God's people from judgment. Amen. So I ask you today, and those of you that are watching online, I ask you, have you taken that way out? Have you taken that way out? Because the, the greatest, most important question you'll ever answer in life, ever, far beyond any other issue, not who you're going to marry, what you're going to major in, what your career is going to be, where you're going to live, where you're going to go to church, No, no, those are all secondary to the greatest question of all. Am I covered in the blood of the Lamb? Because when eternity rolls around and it will for all of us, there's only one way out. There's only one attorney, one path, one road, one way, only one. Now, it's crucial to understand in your Bible that the Old Testament festivals and rituals, all of them, and there were seven, like Passover, are all types and shadows and symbols pointing to the coming of Christ Jesus. Everybody say type. Shadow. Foreshadowing. We understand that word. All all the festivals, seven of them, they were all designed by God to foreshadow 
to point to the coming of Messiah. Okay? We learn from all of them. Listen to Hebrews. Therefore, let nobody judge you in regard to food and drink or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come. And they have only symbolic value. The festivals can't save you. None of that can save you. Observing Passover couldn't save them. No, they were shadows pointing to what could save them. Amen. Hebrews goes on, but the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed is Christ himself. Christ is the real thing. Christ is what all the shadows foreshadowed. All the festivals, all the feasts, they all pointed to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible is all about Jesus. Stem to stern, beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Jesus. He's the central figure in the entire Word of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, let me give you a... Let's talk about shadows for a minute. Remember that radio show, The Shadow Knows? Shadows are kind of usually a little bit spooky. You know, you're walking along down the street at night and suddenly a shadow comes up behind you. Why does that bother you? You're not afraid of the shadow. You're afraid of what's casting the shadow. Shadows give an idea of what something looks like without completely revealing the object that is causing it. All right? A shadow is evidence that something real is there that the shadow is outlining. Nobody looks at a shadow and believes it's the real thing. We don't hug a shadow. I hope you don't. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't talk to a shadow. We don't fellowship with a shadow. And if you're fellowshipping with a shadow, would you come see me after church? I want to talk to you. Right? We, we don't, no, because we know that a shadow, a shadow is something empty. A, a shadow, you don't, you don't look at the shadow of a tree or a car and say, well, there's the real thing. No, you look at what's casting the shadow. So these festivals and these feasts like Passover, A shadow was cast, but what was casting the shadow? The coming of Jesus Christ. That's why Colossians 2.17 tells us Jesus is the substance of what the various Old Testament festivals pointed to. And Hebrews 10.1 says he's the reality that they all anticipated. So among the seven Jewish festivals, God gave Israel the Passover feast foreshadowed the day when the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, would shed His blood for our sins, delivering us from God's judgment and from going to hell. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So the Bible takeaway of the Passover is that Jesus was the fulfillment of what the Passover taught. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Now track with me. In our text, we read that God told his people to select a lamb on the 10th day of Nisan. Select a lamb. That selection of a lamb came to be called Lamb Selection Day for the Hebrew people. Lamb Selection Day. So every Nisan the 10th, 
Every niece in the tenth, they had lamb selection day as they got ready to observe the Passover on the 14th. On the 10th, lamb selection day. And this had gone on for 1,500 years. 1,500 years. 1,500 years. From the time that they observed the first Passover to the day that Jesus died on the cross, about 1,500 years went by. So there were 1,500 Nisan tenths, 1,500 Nisan 14ths, 1,500 Passovers observed by the people of Israel. Do you think God was trying to prep them and tell them something? 1,500 times. Now, track with me. Watch. This yearly ritual, Lamb Selection Day, was the day they picked the perfect lamb without defect. On the very first Passover, on the 10th of Nisan, they picked a lamb, and the judgment fell on Egypt on the 14th, and they were spared. Now, remember that the people had been instructed by Moses to not only pick a lamb on the 10th, but it had to be a lamb without blemish, without spot. Uh, It had to be perfect, no faults. So they took four days to inspect the lamb. So from the 10th to the 14th, they inspected all these lambs, thousands of them. They were inspected. They came under scrutiny. They looked for defects, for faults, for anything that would disallow them from being a sacrifice lamb. And after four days of inspection, and they passed, they were using the sacrifice for the people on the 14th day of Nisan. Now, what does this all have to do with Palm Sunday and Passover and us today? Here. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th day of Nisan. Lamb Selection Day. He was God's select lamb. He could have gone in on the 9th. He could have gone in on the 11th. He could have gone in a lot later or a lot sooner. But no, he went on the day that God had said, that's Lamb Selection Day. That's when he went. And he was scrutinized for four days. Herod, Pontius Pilate, remember what they said? Pontius Pilate interviewed him. He, 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 he asked him question after question. And finally, when the Jews demanded his death, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. No blemish, no fault. Even a lost, heathen, pagan man knew that he was clean. Amen? Amen. I find no fault in him, John 19, 4. And on the 14th day of Nisan, at 9 a.m. in the morning, as all the animal sacrifices were being made throughout Jerusalem on that Passover, at 9 in the morning... They nailed Jesus to a cross. Not on the 13th, not on the 15th, on the 14th. Perfect timing. Are you with me? So all 1,500 Passovers had come and gone. 1,500 of them, 
Lamb selection day on the 10th of Nisan. Sacrificing the lamb on the 14th of Nisan. Jesus, God's lamb, rides in on the 10th. On the 14th, he's crucified. And at three o'clock, they would end all the sacrifices. At three o'clock, the last lamb, real lamb, was slain on the Passover. That's when they ended it. At three o'clock, Jesus said, it is finished. Wow. Man, oh man. Are you thankful that he did that for you? Are you thankful that he did that for you? Now that tells us that for 1,500 years, God was speaking to the world. You know what he was saying? He's coming. 1,500 times the Passover. And with every time, God was saying, he's coming. He's coming. This is just a shadow being cast by the real thing that's coming. And 1,500 years down the road, Jesus arrived. In the fullness of time, Paul wrote... God sent his son and he died right on time in just the right place for you and for me. And there's only one way out. And that is that shed blood. Only one way out that shed blood. So why do we do Palm Sunday? Because Palm Sunday was all about Passover and Passover was all about Jesus is our ultimate Passover lamb. No more blood ever needs to be shed. I'm so glad for that. No more animal sacrifices. No more suffering on the part of any other creature ever needs to be made. Because it says Jesus died once for all. Once for all. And so today, why do we evangelize all the time? Why are we looking forward to being on uh, Good Morning Texas? Why do we uh, see, last Sunday we had around approximately 50 people came to Christ. Why do we keep on reaching out? Because there's only one way. There's only one way out, and we want to offer the way out. We want to offer the way out. And I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me. So, the perfect Passover lamb died. But you know what our message is? Next Sunday, he didn't stay dead. No, 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 he didn't stay dead. He got up. Everybody say, he got up. Say it like you believe it. He got up. Oh, yes, he did. And because he got up, we're going to get up. Yes. The day is coming when a trumpet will blow and the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we're supposed to comfort one another with those words. Can we stand up together today? So my question is is simply this. Has the blood of the lamb been applied to the doorposts of your heart? Have you looked to to the blood, to the blood of the lamb? Because that's the only thing that's going to save anybody. See, we'll face God. The Bible says we'll face God. And when we do, here's going to be the question. What'd you do with Jesus? It's not going to be. How much money did you earn? How many kids did you have? How good a dad or a mom were you? Um, How many degrees did you earn? What'd you drive? How many people thought you were the greatest thing since peanut butter? 
Did you do a bunch of good? No. The question is going to be, what'd you do with my son? What'd you do with Jesus? When you heard about him, what'd you do? Do you know the grace of God has been extended over some of you for a very long time? See, you might be even in your 60s and you haven't yet come to Christ. Do you realize it's the grace of God that's allowed you to hear it again? It's the grace of God. Most of us heard the gospel, put it off, heard it again, put it off, heard it again, put it off. And then finally that day came when we said, you know what? I do need to repent. I do need Christ. And the reason you got those chances was the grace of God. It was the grace of God. Because he didn't have to come to you again with it. But he comes to people over and over and over again. My dad heard it for years. From me. And said to me one day, you know, Jeff, I just can't comprehend the atonement. It doesn't make sense in my cerebral cortex. So, so I reject it. But one day, he came to Christ. God gave him chance after chance. It was the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's not because we're so great. It's the grace of God and the mercy of God. He gives time. We, we sometimes wonder, how is God allowing somebody so wicked to keep on living? Because the grace of God is giving them another chance. The grace of God. How many times have you heard it? How many times have you heard the gospel? How many times have you heard the call to come to Christ and live for Christ, walk with Christ, die to yourself, and sell out to Christ? How many times? However many times, here's another time. Here's another time. And the grace of God is being extended to you and to me and to those watching right now online. The grace of God is being extended again. So I'm going to ask us to bow in prayer if we can. I'm just going to ask a simple question. You can say, Jeff, I'm not so sure that I've ever come to Christ like you're talking about. That I've ever said, Jesus, forgive me. And, and in his forgiveness, the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost of my heart, my soul, my life. So that it's, the judgment of God will pass over me. And I want to be sure. I want to know. Or maybe you used to walk with the Lord and you have gotten away. And you're not where you used to be. I'm not here to judge you. I don't judge you. I can't put a finger your way. There's three pointing at me. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to offer you the forgiveness of the shed blood of Christ. And I'm here to invite you to say, Jesus, I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to daily follow you. I'm not going to play with Christianity anymore. I'm going to follow you. I want to have a simple prayer with you. Because folks, listen, you have no guarantee of a tomorrow. Neither do I. You could go home today and on the way home, get in a terrible car wreck and it's over. Happened with a lady I know just a couple of years ago who had sat here over and over again, and she was going home down 35, got in a terrible wreck, and that was it. You, know, you don't know if you have a tomorrow. You don't know. So I'm going to encourage you, pray with me right now. And just say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. 
and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me my sin. I've broken your laws. I've sinned against God. There's forgiveness in your blood. Forgive me. And come into my heart as Savior and Lord today. And Lord, I'm returning to you after being distant, far away. I'm returning back to the walk I once knew. In Jesus' name, take me back, Lord, right now. Amen. With your heads bowed. If you say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you just slip your hand up where I can see and where God can see you? Just slip your hand up. You prayed that with me. I see you. I see you. God bless you. All over this place. God bless you. All over this place. God bless you. I want everybody that that raised your hand to look at me. Everybody that raised your hand. In just a minute, I'm going to close the service. But it's not going to be fully closed because I'm going to be down here waiting for you to come. I want you to come and stand here and let me give you something to take home with you. Very important. And I want to rejoice with you. So please don't go running out. Run this way. All right. There were, I saw eight, 10 people at least. I want you to run this way. Come down because I want to meet you. Because listen, I was saved in jail. I've got no bragging rights. I'm here by the grace of God.